Well, we're probably going to get back into John. Been away for a while. I was looking the other day. It's going to be like a two-day, two-year journey. But it's going to be because we took some different side roads along the way. I was trying to get caught up on one of my shows yesterday, and I got caught up. And one of the things I noticed that before every episode that they showed, they would say, last week, this is what happened. And they would show highlights of different things. So I'm sort of doing that today in the book of John. You remember the book of John was written because it talks about and tells us that Jesus is the Son of God. That's the whole purpose of the whole book from John 1, all the way to the end, John, the apostle, is telling us that Jesus is the Son of God. In the beginning was the Word, was the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He who was at the beginning was also, I mean, all that talks about God the Father. And throughout the whole book, even as we, as we were approaching chapter 14, uh, what we learned was that when you see Jesus, you see the Father. When you see the Father, you see Jesus. They're both all intertwined together. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. All three. The Holy Spirit is probably one of the most neglected persons of the Godhead, but he is just as important as the other two. No one of them is any more important than the other, for they all are co-eternal and they are co-existence and they all work together for the same purpose, and that is to bring glory to God. Amen. So as we approach John chapter 14, I just want to go back to uh, oh, John 13 for a second, and then we'll move forward the next few weeks, getting through chapter 14 all the way, hopefully to the end of the book. Amen. John chapter 13, and I just want to really highlight verse number 34. Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Amen? Having, have love. In John chapter 13, verse 21, Jesus talks again and or has mentioned the fact that as the disciples finally get to the point where they have learned about the Jesus, uh, he tells them that there is one among them that will betray him. For in John 13, 21, he said, after saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. And the disciples became very uh, anxious and uncertain, and they couldn't imagine that one of the ones who was around Jesus was going to betray him. But in actuality, that did happen. And then John chapter 13, verse 33, Jesus announces to them that he is leaving. John 13, 33 says, as soon as I get to it, where is it? 
or with you. You will seek me just as I have told you, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. He tells them that uh, where he's getting ready to go, they cannot get to because he's got to go away. And then from 13, 14, 15, 16, even by the time we get to 17, Jesus is really letting them know that he is not going to leave them as orphans all alone without a comforter, which is going to be provided by the Holy Spirit. So when he gets to this part in verse 34 where he talks about love, that love that Jesus is talking about is love agape. The word love is used only 12 times in John chapter 1 all the way to John chapter 12. 12 times. But in John 13 through 21, it is used 44 times. From 12 and 1 through 12, 12 times in chapters 1 through 12 to 44 times in John 13 through 21. It is the key word in Christ's farewell sermon, as well as in his high priestly prayer in John 17, 26. So the emphasis about Jesus is about love. And I checked it out. That love is the word agape. Not phileo, a brotherly type of love. Not eros, uh, an erotic type love. But it is agape in the sense that it is God, the type of love that God has for us. It's the same love we are to have for one another. And notice what he says here in John 13. He says, now listen, a new commandment I give to you. Not new as in brand new, not new as in time, but new in experience and new in faith. Up until this time, Jesus is going to be the epitome of what love really is. How does he do that? He's going to give his life for us. Greater, hath, greater love hath no man than this, that a man or a brother be willing to give his life. Jesus gave his life. I mean, when you really think about it, and I don't know if you took the time to really meditate and think about it, but Jesus died for you. And only you know, and only I know, how messed up we are. The idea that he died for me, with all of my sin, with all of my faults, with all the things that I don't do right, and yet he looked beyond all of that and died, that I might have eternal life in him, that I might be able to go to heaven, that I might live forever in his presence, don't deserve any of that, but love is. But love will do that. Someone has said, and the word says that love will cover a multitude of sins. You and I are willing to overlook. Should be willing to overlook some things out of love for one another. Those of us who are married. And I guess you don't have to be, but I've noticed this sometimes. Have you ever noticed that sometimes in, in your married life that um, something's going on, you're doing something, and you kind of wish the other person would do something too, or help you out, but they don't. You're out there doing whatever it is you're doing, and they're sitting on the couch or laying in bed. 
And part of you says, why won't he get his or her behind up and help me? At that moment in time, you need love. Because as you think about that to him or her, guess what? Sometimes in life, they think that about you. So, love says, all right, I'll, I'll do this. Even though they see me struggling and doing all this work, I will do that. Because, and I'm not going to bother them. I'm not going to say a word. I'm going to zip my lips, get my attitude right. Because in due time, they're going to feel that about me. That is an example of real Genuine L-O-V-E. The reason why I say that, because I felt guilty yesterday, the other day. My wife was, she didn't want to wash her car. And I said, well, get, let's do that later. No, she wanted it then. I didn't feel like I had just done some stuff. I didn't feel like washing no car. So the other day, I'm laying on the couch watching TV. She goes to the shed. She pulls out the extension cord for the vacuum cleaner. She pulls out the, the bucket with all the soap and the brushes and the towels. And she just walks through and she's, she's on a mission. And so she's out there spraying the car down. I see the spray of the water fly across the windshield of, out my window. There she is. She's washing the car. And I'm thinking, I should go out and help her. But I didn't. <laughs> Huh? That's a big car. Yeah, I should have helped her. And I know she's probably thinking, why is he just in there not doing anything? Well, here's what's going to happen. There's going to be a day that I'm doing something. And I'm going to say, why is she in the house not doing anything? And it's going to be payback. But here's my point. Love will help you override that. Well, true love would be this. Even though I did that to her. If she sees me out, out of love, even though I didn't do it for her, she'll do it for me. That's what Jesus did and has doing and is doing for us. How many of us know for a fact we love the Lord, but we don't do what he wants us to do? And yet, out of his great love for us, he keeps on blessing us. It makes no sense. If it was you and I, we would probably say, I'm cutting them off. But thanks be to God, he doesn't do that. Amen? It's not the idea of this commandment to love. It's not a new command in, terms of, in the sense of time, but is new in the experience and, in, and it's fresh because we're going to see modeled in Jesus what true love is. Love would take on a new meaning and power because of Christ's death on the cross. Him dying on the cross was the full expression of God's love for us. He didn't have to die, but he did for you and I. Oh, my God. We ought to be, of all people, the most excited because we understand, man, I am messed up, was messed up, is messed up, and will be messed up. And yet, in spite of all my mess, Jesus loves me. This I know. For the what? Bible tells me. It's not something we have to speculate, does he love? He loves us because his word says he loves us. 
Love takes on that whole new meaning. The coming of the Holy Spirit would show that love would have a new power in not just the disciples' lives that he's talking to here, but also in our lives. The power of love. Amen? There's something to be said for that. How, would, how can I as a parent, and I tell all my I have told all my children this, I tell them, I have told them, I will love you no matter what. I might be, dis, I might be uh, disappointed. I might be even upset about something that you may have done or not done. But guess what? I will always love you. What you do cannot deter me from my love for you. And that's what God says to us. We disappoint God. We don't do what we're supposed to do. We cop attitudes. We do all those things, and yet and still, God's love and Christ's love for us is he keeps on loving us. And here it is. This is where the rub is. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that what? You and I are to love one another. We have, it's a command, it's not an option. You have no, when I'm in the most unlovable, when I'm the most despised, when you just, there's no way. I am so mad at him. No, you got to love me. And I've got to love you. As much as we get upset with one another, as much as we get disappointed with one another, the word says, Jesus tells us, love one another. As I have loved, as God has loved you, you and I are to love one another. That's great love. And you can't pull that off, and I can't pull that off without the power of the Spirit and the Holy Spirit of God resisting, ruling, and residing, because there's no way. The issue is not if, but when you and I do things to offend one another, we will still love one another. Why? I mean, he makes it plain. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. No ifs, no ands, no buts. Love one another. And then he, he qualifies it, just as I have loved you. That's what he says. Love each other. We are to love one another as the same way I loved you. You can't get any better than that. You can't get around that. I can't get around that. The great love God has for me shows me that I ought to love you. Amen? I like what he says. Almost he repeats it. I give to you this new commandment. I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. It comes right back to that same point. Love one another just as I have loved you. Just love one another. Anything God repeats, it has to be for a purpose. He must have understood, Jesus must have understood that to say it twice, love one another, means we have a hard time loving one another. Yeah, we do. Kenny's right. We do. Amen? If you have that struggle in your own house, you're going to have the same struggle in the church. The church is no different. How we are in our homes, how we are at our house, translates how we are in the church. You're the same person. You and I, whether we try to cover it up, we're the same people at home. We're also the same people at church. If you cop an attitude at home, you will cop an attitude at church. I don't know why we're going to do that. Well, you say that at home. Amen? I mean, you, you get upset about, and we get upset over things that are not in the scheme of life that important. 
I mean, I've, I've read books, I've, I've read stories about churches that will split over the color of the carpet. I'm thinking, what kind of people are you? I, I mean, unless, unless you're talking about psychedelic colors, that was just no way. But if it's, if it's blue or if it's red or if it's whatever, in the scheme of life, that's not that big a deal. You know, couples get upset because he puts the toilet paper down and she wants it under. I mean, that, that don't make sense. Over, over and under, whatever it is. You know what I'm, you know what I'm trying to say. I, yeah, I hear that. I'm ignoring it, too. Over, under, too fresh. Is it just sitting on the sink, or is there a place to put it? I mean, all those little things, you know, leaving your underwear laying on the floor. Do you, I mean, all these little things that people, we get so upset on. And guess what? People get upset little things in the church. I don't like it. What is it that you like? Well, I, 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 I'd rather start late than early. I don't like this new early time. Why? Because... It, it just messes me up. What you're really saying is you don't want to get up earlier. That's your problem. Amen? Love says, okay, is this really a big deal? No. I will adjust myself to do what God wants me to do. Amen? And he says it twice. That is just, when I read this, I'm thinking, oh, yeah, Jesus, you're trying to tell us this, this is not an easy thing to pull off. But then he also lets us know we are to have one another, and I finish on this point. He says, not just love one another, but he says, by this, by what? By the love that we show and exhibit, by the love that we, there's the evidence of, the evidence of our love is this. What is it? That by this, all people will know that you are my disciples. You can't say you are a disciple of Christ and not love. Because if you don't love, you can't be his disciple. That's, that's the suge- suggestion there. The, by this, they will know that you are disciples if you have love for one another. Without that qualification, if you don't have it, you don't have him. For he is the embodiment of love. And you can't do that without Christ residing on the inside. That's why it's a big struggle for a lot of people. They don't belong to him in the first place. Amen? He says, by this, all people, not some people, but people when they see you, not that you're going to be perfect, but they will say, by this all people will know that you are my disciples, my followers. How do they know we were disciples of Jesus? Huh. He says, here it is. If you have love for one another, when people look at you and I, they ought to see the love of God. The love of Christ ought to reside on everybody's heart that's in here today. And if that love resides on us, people will know you're his disciples. Oh, yeah. That's a disciple of Jesus. That's a follower. Mothetes, an imitator. We're to walk around and be like Jesus. Amen? We don't consciously live like that all the time, but that's the idea. That we are followers. Where he has gone, what he has done... He has left on record, that is what I want you to do. Later on in John 14 and some of the other chapters, he's just going to tell us, listen, this is how you show, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll follow in my way. That's pretty plain and simple to me. If you love Jesus, I love Jesus. Well, great. 
But if you love Jesus, you got to love me. And if you love Jesus, you got to keep his word. You got to keep his commandments. For you and I not to love one another, and for you and I not to do and keep his commandments, that speaks more of us and what we lack and don't have than it does about Jesus. Because he just tells us, by this, all people will know. They will cognitively and visibly see that you're my disciple by your love. Amen? So today and onward, we got to show a world that doesn't know. People don't know what true love is. And true love is the love of Christ. Amen? Now we get ready to get into John chapter 14 because what happens, he tells them this, and then our good buddy Peter starts talking and trying to say that wherever Jesus goes, he will follow. And Jesus has to say, well, Peter, your intentions are great, but the heart is willing, but the flesh is weak. And that speaks to, mo- to, I, that speaks to a lot of us. Our heart may be willing to do a lot of things, but oh boy, that flesh gets in the way. And we have to say, you know what, Lord? I need your strength. Amen? And then what happens later on in John 14, we've already covered it. What happens is, Jesus tells them all this. There's a betrayer. He tells them this new commandment. Peter says he's going to follow Jesus no matter what. He says, no, Peter, guess what? Before the crow crows three times, the cock crows three times, you will have denied me. Is that where I am going to go? You, Peter, you will follow me. As they crucified me, Peter, guess what? Jesus is really saying this. As they crucified me, Peter, they're going to crucify you. You want to follow? You're going to pay the cost. And then Jesus says those great words. It's not just for funerals. It's for all times in life. Let not your heart be troubled. And it's a command. It's not an option. He doesn't say this and like, okay, if trouble comes our way, we don't have to. No, he, he's really saying, you. Point imperative, specifically, you. He's almost like calling your name. You, Sheila. You, Sigrid. You, Byron. You, Randy. Or you do not allow your heart to be troubled. There's no reason. Why? Because believe in God. Believe in God and believe also in me. And then he says, and here's the rejoicing part, in my Father's house are many dwelling places. We've got heaven to look forward to. Why would our heart always be in trouble and be in trouble, agitated, upset, nervous, whatever, when we serve an awesome God? And he's just told us, do not allow your heart to be troubled. Don't do it. Don't go there. And it goes against everything that we know. Because our heart, our first reflex, our, our first thing to do is when things don't go well, when things are happening around us, they make us upset or we have doubt or we have fear, we automatically go into trouble mode. And Jesus says, don't go there. Believe in God and believe also in me. Believe God, believe in Jesus. Believe in Jesus, believe in God. And the rejoicing is 
no matter what the trouble is, you've got a better place to go to. Trouble only lasts for a little while. It's only always darkest before the dawn. Those are great words, but when you're going through it, you've got to keep in your mind, God is going to bring me through this. Amen? So the rest of this, from this point onward, we got some great things that God's going to speak to us about, and we're going to be able to rejoice and go, man, wow, John, thank you, because I just learned something today. I'm supposed to love. I have to love. I have no choice. So, and guess what's going to happen? Before the day's out. Did you hear what I'm saying? Before the day is over, somebody, somebody going to test your and my love. And we're going to say, get ready to say something. And before we say it, I hope the Holy Spirit says, wait a minute. Did you not hear Richard Love? I don't know why they always, uh uh-oh. Okay. I got to love. Why? How do I know that? Because I've seen it happen in my own life. I think, I think it's a great example. Lord, give me patience. Be careful when you pray the prayer because he's going to test you. The patience may be you go out to Kroger and something happens and you don't. I don't believe this. You ask for patience, right? You go out there to get your chicken and they tell you it's not ready. What? What do you mean it's not ready? Or you have to wait. Or you get in line, and a girl doesn't do what you think, and you're, you're getting impatient. You go out to Walmart, or you go to Kroger's, and it seems like the whole world is out there. You go, why is everybody, what is going, why is everybody here? I'm in a hurry. I, I got something on at the stove. I got, I got 10 minutes. I can run out to Kroger's, and then I get this, and then I'll be right back home. Well, no. You just pray for patience. Instead of 10 minutes, it's going to take you a half hour. And now you're steaming. Because those 20 extra minutes have made you upset. So when you pray for love, we're going to say we're going to have love. You know what's going to happen. God's going to say, let me see how much love you got. Let me see where you are. Amen. But you and I can do it because we serve a great God. And he's already given us the spirit of, of the Holy Spirit to help us give us the strength to love one another. Father, we thank you for your...